you're going to be over in the uh, book of Samuel eventually. And we will get over there. But I want to tell you a story of an elderly man who uh, had a wife who was hard of hearing. And they were traveling from Memphis to Nashville. And the trip was progressing quite fine until they began having some car trouble. And so they pulled into a garage and there was a mechanic in there. And the mechanic found out what was wrong with it. And so as he was fixing the thing that was wrong, he asked them some questions, you know, like, where are you headed? And the uh, man replied, he said, Nashville. Well, the wife can't quite hear. So she said, what did he say? And well, kind of impatiently, the uh, wife was demanding that she didn't just say one. What did you say? What did he say? So he said, he asked where we're going. I told him to Nashville. So the mechanic went on. He says, well, where are you from? Where are you coming from? And the man said, he's Memphis. Well, impatiently again, the wife said, what do you say? What do you say? He said, uh, he asked where we were from. I told him we're from Memphis. So he says, man said, well, I was in Memphis for a while before I moved up here. And I knew an old lady from there was the meanest, the rudest, the ugliest old bag I ever knew. The uh, woman said to the husband, what'd he say? He said, he thinks he knows your sister. <laughs> well, there's something about hearing, isn't there? Doesn't it help us in life if we can hear firsthand what's going on? We're talking a little bit about that because as we've been going over in the last number of weeks about wisdom, wisdom and revelation are the same thing. When God gives us revelation, he speaks wisdom to us. Last week, we were looking at truth. And revelation is truth. It is the truth of God's word. Sometimes we like the truth. Sometimes we don't like truth. But nevertheless, truth will always help us out. Over the last number of weeks, we looked at the acronym SHAPE, how to stay in shape. When revelation is given, we have to stay in shape with it. First off, we've got to seek revelation. We've got to hear it. Not just hear the words, but hear it, perceive it. We've got to accept it. We've got to perform. We've got to do it. And then lastly, we have to endure. That's sometimes the hardest thing is to continue to do what God has shown you to do because much, many things and many people will come up against you in that. We looked at reasoning. Reasoning is the enemy of wisdom and revelation. We looked at people who had reasoned themselves right out of the will of God. We looked at Peter. Peter was on the water. He had revelation. Come out to the water with me. And what did Peter do? He went out in the water. He was walking on the water. Then what did he do? He began to reason on the inside. He began to look at the waves. He began to look at the wind. He began to figure out, I shouldn't be out here. This isn't working. And what had happened? He sank. He went down. We saw the woman with the issue of blood. I tell you before, I've, I just love that story. Just the things we can glean from there. But with the woman with the issue of blood, she heard about Jesus. She got revelation. She heard about Jesus. And the Spirit of God bore witness with something in her. And she had a problem for many years. And she had spent all that she had on doctors and was no better, the Word of God told us. But when she heard about Jesus, the Word of God told, tells us that she said to herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be made whole. I, she knew it. We look at the woman with the issue of blood, and she knew, if I do this, this will happen. And when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, what happened? She was healed. Instantly, made healed. 
And Jesus, knowing the power had gone out, turned into the crowd to find the one who had touched him because someone had touched him and accessed power. Many people, the disciple says, are touching you, but Jesus says, no, somebody touched me and accessed the power of God. Didn't say just like that, paraphrase him. He said, no, somebody touched me in healing power. Healing power went out. He knew. He knew. Many people touch Jesus. Many people come around Jesus, but they don't get what they need because we haven't done the things that we need to do. What she did was she got wisdom and revelation from God. As we looked at all the different folks that received wisdom and revelation, some got it from angels. Remember we, Sunday before Christmas, we looked at the people who received revelation about the birth of Jesus, how that came to them, how they acted on it, and good things came of that. But not always do angels show up and tell us things. But this woman didn't have an angel show up. She heard the word, and she developed inside herself an image. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. Last week, we were looking at the truth shall set you free. The truth shall set you free. Now, if just hearing the truth would set you free, there'd be a whole lot more free people, wouldn't there? Because many people have heard the truth, but it's not working for everybody. We saw in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3, that some were forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe to know the truth. Not only do we have to hear the truth, we have to believe it. We have to have a belief in the truth. We have to have a belief in the thing. Having a desire for something is not the same thing as having faith for it. How many of you have desires for things but don't necessarily have faith for it? But I'll give you an example. How many of you have a desire to win the lottery? How many of you have faith that it's going to happen? All right, that's the difference. There's a difference between having a desire for a thing and having faith that the thing is going to happen. Sometimes we think that having a need is all we need, all we have to have. If God have a need, certainly God wants to maintain this. I gave this to you last week. If you weren't here for it, didn't get it down. God is not moved by our desire or need. God is not moved by our desire or need, but by our faith. That's what moves God. We said that there is a difference between motivation and moving. There's a difference between motivation and moving. We sometimes get this confused. But God is motivated to help you by your need. Did you know that? God is motivated to help you by your need. I'll give you this example. Why did, what motivated God to send his son? Our need, not our faith. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us was not our faith. Our faith did not have anything to do with it. It was him. God is motivated by our need, but that does not cause God to move. What causes God to move is our faith. When we see the move of God in the New Testament, when we see the move of God in the Old Testament, it was moved by someone's faith. His motivation to help put something into action, but the, the moving, when it actually came to the person... <coughs> That happened because of faith. <coughs> Don't think that God is not motivated. If you think that God is not motivated to help you, then you think that God is uncaring. God cares very much about us. He is motivated to help us, but he cannot move until our faith gets involved. This is some things we went over the, the last time. We looked at that you may already be in possession of the truth that you need. You may already be in possession of the truth that you need the wisdom or the revelation. What you need now is to know how to set yourself free. 
how to, set your, how to use that truth to set yourself free. And we went over some things with that last week. Well, I wanted to read this passage again to you of the woman with the issue of blood, but I wanted to read it out of the King James for a purpose. In the King James Bible, it reads this way. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Now, this is a different wording than we see in the, in the King James. It talks about her coming up into the press. How many people are in the press? There's a lot of people in the press. How many people in the press got healed? Only one. Only one. Because not everybody in the press understands what they're supposed to be doing. The woman got in the press and received what she needed. But we see that many people are in the press and it's not helping them out. I have an example for you. How many go grocery shopping? Yeah, we all have to kind of do that, don't we? How do we go about grocery shopping? And I'm just going to summarize for you how I picture it, how for, for you. You tell me the, how this works for you. First off, you're going to go grocery shopping. You look in the mail on Thursday and Friday. Well, that's usually when they come for us. And what comes in the mail on Thursday and Friday but all the circulars for all the stores? They all come at once. And so then you sit down with all the circulars, you know, the ShopRite, the uh, Acme, the Giant, the uh, Superfresh, the whatever else is out there. You sit down with all the ones, and you look at who's got what on sale, right? Because why pay $5 for something over here when you can pay $3 for it over here? So you look at all the different places that have something on sale, and you, you calculate it out. All right, am I saving enough to go over to this store instead of going over to this store? I mean, saving a dime isn't all necessarily that much. It may not be worth a drive across town, but, you know, you, you can go through those things and you can cut out some coupons and you can have yourself a, uh, a time there. So first off, we read the ads to find out what's going on. Then we go to the store. We go to the store that had the ad, right? If I read the ad about the Acme, I don't go to the giant. If I read the, store, the, the, the circular about the Acme, I go to... The Acme. Have you ever seen those stores? You know, I don't know if they do it so much in grocery stores, but I know the, the, uh, the big box stores do this. I mean, Home Depot and Lowe's, they always advertise, we'll, we'll honor anyone else's price. I'm thinking, why do I want to come here so that, and get, go through the process of going to customer service? Here's the price I can get. But I can just go to the other store and buy it. <laughs> I don't understand that. That's not an attraction to me. I don't care if you're going to honor somebody else's price. If you don't have the price, I'm not coming there. I'm going to go over here. They got the, for that price. I don't have to go to customer service, get a refund, nothing like that. Just go in there and buy the thing, and we're done. I kind of like that. I like to get in and out of some places. But anyway, you go to the store with the ad, heard about the sale, and, and sometimes you're going around. How many have ever had it that you can't find the item that's on sale? So what do you do? You ask somebody. Yeah, I'm trying to find this item. Can you, and they'll, they'll tell you where it is, and you know, they'll tell you we're out of it. We don't have any more, or we have some more. It's just over an aisle, whatever it might be. And so you do that, and then you go through the, the, the store with the cart. You got the cart, you're pushing the cart around, and you put stuff in the cart. That becomes your cart, right? You don't own that cart, but that cart is yours. If someone comes up in the store and touches your cart, what happens to you? That's my cart, right? That is my cart. <laughs> Leave my cart alone. I mean, if they just touch it. We'll get upset. We don't want them to even touch our cart. They may put something else in the cart. They may take something out of the cart. That is my cart. We don't want anybody else messing with our cart. We've loaded up that cart. That cart has my stuff in it, and we're very possessive about that cart. 
We then go through the checkout and we take these items out of our cart and we put them up on the conveyor belt. Unless you go to Costco or one of those places and you don't, I guess they, they, they have another way of doing it or whatever. But anyway, you take this, the items out, you put it on the, on the uh, conveyor belt, and they conveyor belt all the stuff on through, put it in bags, and then you put it in your, your thing and go. But before you can go, you have to do something. What do you have to do? I got to pay for the, the groceries. Now, when we come to the end of the line and we're paying for the groceries, you have to pay for the groceries in a way that is agreeable to whom? The store. What if you want to do it differently? What if you say, I got these two kids, they're really bugging me. Can I trade one of them in? <laughs> Can I take the groceries and you take this one? They're, they're not going to do that. That's not what they're, they're up to, right? Now, some places that you go, they don't want to take credit cards. Some places that you go, they don't want to take checks. Some places just want to do cash or ATMs or, or things like that. So you got to know if the store will take a credit card if you're going to use a credit card. you got to know if the store will take a check if you're going to use a check. you got to know if the store is going to use an ATM if you're going to – got to know all these things, right? You know, we, we have this – well, I have this favorite pizza place that I like to go to down in Ocean City, New Jersey. If any, if any of you have spent any time in Ocean City, New Jersey, this is a very famous pizza place, and it's very good pizza. I enjoy the pizza. It's not my favorite pizza in the world, but when I go to Ocean City, that's the pizza that I get. Because it's good, the only place you can get it. And it's called, it used to be called Mac and Monco's, now it's just um, Monco's and Monco's. Uh, something happened with Mac, and we won't get into that. <laughs> he, he went bye-bye, and he's down in uh, Wildwood somewhere now. So um, he's, he's, he's not with them. But if you go in there and you want to have pizza, there's only one way to pay. It's cash, that's it. No writing checks, no giving them credit cards, and no giving them an ATM card. Now, if you want to use your ATM, they have a machine usually up at the front of the thing. You go in there, you pay the $3 fee at that end, and the $5 fee, your bank end, or whatever it might be, you know, $8, well, I don't know what kind of fee they charge, but, you know, they get all these fees on there. Then you can get the money out. But if you're going to Max, you better, or Monco's, if you're going to go over, you better make sure you know you have, you have cash. You got to know. You can't get there after you get all done eating and say, well, I don't have any cash. That's not going to work. The thing is, wherever you go to buy something, you have to decide ahead of time, how am I going to pay? What, do the, what does the store want? And you do not negotiate, well, how I have is a credit card. Well, we told you when you, you have the sign, and you come in the store, no credit cards. That's, that's not going to cut it. We get mad, though, at God. God says, I have this stuff here for you. And we say, well, I want to pay for it with faith. I'd rather pay for it with need. I'd rather pay for it with mercy. But God says, how do, when he turns to the woman with the issue of blood, what did he say to her? My mercy has healed you? No, he said, your faith has healed you. How many times did he say that to people? Your faith has healed you. It's faith. This is what it does with God. Same thing with a gas, sta with a gas station. You go into the gas, get the gas, you get uh, all done Paying for it, what do they want? Cash, credit card? They want something like that. They're not going to take it. I don't know, a gas station around, it takes a check. That's not what they're going to do. i got to do something that's acceptable in the eyes of the person who has the goods that I want if I want to get them. And the same thing with God. God has stated it right out. As soon as you enter in, he has a sign up. Faith required. What is it that you need to, to please God? What does the Word of God tell us in Hebrews? What is it that pleases God? faith. How do we access the power of God? Through faith. Through faith. How do we get saved? Through faith. 
Not through works. We got saved through faith. faith. Ephesians tells us not of works, lest any man should boast. That's why works is not accepted. If you go to the checkout and you say, I'd like to buy my salvation, I have works. They'll say, sorry, we don't take works here. All we take is faith. faith. That's all they're going to do. All they're going to do. Woman, the woman, she had faith. She developed faith from what she heard about Jesus. And she came in the press behind. So we're going to focus on this word here, press. And we made a little acronym out here for you. These are the things you need to do. And we're, we kind of com- made a conglomeration of all the stories we have looked at over the last couple of uh, weeks and, and developed this. That first off, if you're going to get into the press... If you are going to get into the mix of this thing, the first thing you need to do is pray. Now, not pray like most people pray. You listen to a lot of people pray, and all they do is they recite what they need to God. That's not prayer. Prayer is a conversation. You need to get your prayer life up to where you have a conversation with God, where you're talking with God. That's where your prayer life needs to be. Not just reciting off requests, but having a conversation, getting to know God. That's one thing you need to do is pray. If any man lacks wisdom, what's the word of God say? Ask. Where do we find wisdom? In his word. It's revealed to us through the spirit. These are the places that we go. So first off, we need to pray. Second, you need to read. You need to read the word. You know how many Christians in this life do not read the Bible? They don't read the Bible. You need to read the Bible. You need to get in there, and, and I'll tell you what, the reading of the Bible is, is, is just huge. I didn't, um, we were listening, I think it was to Brother Keith one time, he was, he was talking, and um, I, 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 we, we listened to all the people that I, I can, but I'll tell you what, more and more ministers are getting away from reading the Word. It's a shame, I don't know what it is. They talk about the Word, some of them talk about the Word, they tell you about the story, but not as many of them are actually getting in and reading the Word. Brother Keith one time said, because he would talk about Brother Hagin, and he would say, he says, just sometimes him getting up and reading the Bible under the anointing of God, I saw stuff I didn't see in it before. Just him reading the Bible. Didn't even teach on it, just read the Bible. I saw stuff I didn't. I'll tell you what, reading the Bible is huge. Get the reading. Listen to people throughout the week. Hear people read the Word. It's important. Read the Word. We're involved in a reading program here to get you through the, Bible, the New Testament in a, in a year. Read it. Read the Bible. If you don't read the Bible, how's he going to speak to you through his word? Wisdom comes from his word. You need to read the Bible. You need to do that on a regular basis. How many people think you need to have vegetables and fruits every day? Some of you are more passionate about that than you are the word of God. You need to read the Bible every day. You need to get that word in you every single day. Every single day. Now, you know your body. How many of y'all know your body? You know what your body needs. Some of you need certain foods more so than others. My number one need, probably more so than anyone else here, most people anyway, I know what my one, number one need is, and I know what happens to my body if I don't get it. I've known it for years, many years. My number one need is hydration. Number one. I mean, more so, that I drink more than most of you do. I know when I've drunk too much, and I know when I've drunk too little. I know how to read my body like a book on that one. I can tell immediately I'm not drinking enough. need to get more. I can tell within hours. It's not, I need to do a little more. And I, oh, I'm doing a little too much. And it's not just how many trips you make to the bathroom. Your body will tell you 
and you need to understand it. You need to learn. I told you the stories. When we were down in college, we would run. I'd lose as much as eight pounds of water in a day, in a run. In a day, I would lose more than that. Sometimes we were running twice. So sometimes I would run and lose over 12 pounds in the course of the day of water. You gain it back in between, but it was a lot. You had to drink that back. You had to get that back. It was a number one need. I had that as a bigger need than fruits and vegetables. It's huge. Your body doesn't respond right if it doesn't have these things. So you understand how to read your body. Understand how to read your spirit. Your spirit needs a diet of the word of God. Read it. If you haven't started with us on this reading program, start now. Just start up and go. And just start, start reading. Chapter a day is not that hard. Five days a week, two days off. It's not that hard to do. You can do it. Pray, read. I'm going to skip the middle one here for just a moment. And I'm going to get skip over to the last two. So skip on down. Pray, read. The fourth one is study the word or study in meditation. I put it in mind as study in meditation. Study the word. When you study the word, you're not just reading. You're actually, oh, I, gotta, I want to study this. I want to know. There's a difference when you were going to school, when you were reading the math book, and when you studied the math book. There's a difference between when you read the English book and when you studied the English book. There's a difference when you read the Bible and when you study the Bible. Study it. There are times the Word of God, well, the Word of God tells us in Timothy, study to show yourself approved. A workman that does not need to be ashamed. Study the word. Read it and then study it. As you study it, mull it over. Meditate. I don't mean meditation like going out there and getting yourself in some kind of a seated position, humming some word. That's not meditation. Meditation is going over and over. Brother Doug Jones had the best definition on meditation I ever heard. He said, worry is corrupted meditation. Put it to you like this. Worry the word. When you worry about a situation, you find out all the things that can go wrong with that situation. When you meditate the word, you find out how many things can go right, how that thing can work for you. Meditate on the word. Study and meditate. Go over it and 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 over it. And revelation will come. Study. Here's the last one. The woman with the issue of blood did this, so did others. Say it. Say it. For she said, the, uh, the actual Greek says she continually said she kept saying to herself. She kept saying to the people that were around her. Other people heard her say it. Why are you saying that? Because if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be whole. If you say things like that in your world, what happens to the people around you? Does some of them start saying some things to you? What are you, crazy? What are you, nuts? Why are you doing that? Jesus told us in Mark chapter 11, 22, 23, and 24, whoever says to this, what? Mountain be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes in those things that he says shall come about. He shall have whatever he says. The saying is important. Too often we don't do it. If you want to get into the press, you need to say, what did she do? She got into the press, but she believed something, but she said it. Now you look at it this way. How many of you have ever said, I just know I'm going to catch the cold this winter? <laughs> I just, you get into a... a or near a person that had the flu. I just know I'm going to get it now. I just know my car's going to break down. I just know something's going to happen when this cold weather comes. We say negative stuff all the time, but we don't always say the positive. The Word of God says, if you want this mountain to move, what should you do? Think about it. No, say it. 
say it. Whoever says that his mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says shall come about, he shall have the things that he thinks, says. Look it up, Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24, when he's talking about have the faith of God. Talking about the fig tree there. But pray, read, study, meditate, and say it. Here's the middle one. Here's the middle one. This one is huge. This is the thing that you have to develop. This is the thing that you have to, uh, to, to work on. This is the thing that you got to get. The third one, it is in the middle for a purpose because everything centers around this. Here it is, ears to hear. One of Jesus' favorite phrases was, for him who has ears to hear, let him hear. For him who has ears to hear. How many of you have ears? How many of you hear things with those ears? But we don't always hear the right things, do we? Have you ever had it in your house where the wife would say one thing and the husband heard something else? Have you ever heard it where the husband said one thing and the wife heard something else? Surely we have. We had ears, we heard, but it was something different than what was there. So pray, read, ears to hear, study, and say. If you want to get into the press, if you want to get that thing that you need, these are the things you need to work on. First Samuel chapter 3, we are here now. Now the boy Samuel, you all remember Samuel? Ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. You know what that's telling you? That's telling you that in the days of the person who wrote the book, they were not. Right? If the word of the Lord was rare in those days, then they're not rare in the days today. Otherwise, you would say something like, and the, the word of the Lord was rare then too. But he's not saying that. So the word of the Lord had come about. Well, this is the book of Samuel. When Samuel came around, the word of the Lord started coming around a little bit more. Why? Because someone was around to hear. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, well, we're getting this all narrowed down here. There's a certain time when they uh, changed out the flame. That the Lord God called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. Did your kids ever get up? I heard something. What do you say to your kids when they come into your room? I heard something. Go back to bed. I didn't say nothing. Nobody else. There was no noise. Go back to bed. I didn't hear nothing. Happens sometimes too. And husband and wife are in bed. Always seems to happen. I, I, I know why this is. The wife hears a noise. You know why the husband isn't, isn't the one to hear the noise? Because he don't care. <laughs> he don't care. <laughs> now, if the husband does hear a noise, you, you don't have to tell him. I heard a noise. The husband's up and out. He's, he's, he's going down. And, and, but that's right. You know, that's what it should be. The wife hears a noise. She should send the husband. Husband, if you don't go, if you send the wife, shame on you. <laughs> be the man. Get up there and go down there and check out that noise. Don't be sending her. I'm sure some, no one here is, is that ignorant. And, I, and he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose, went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. He answered, I did not call. My son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord revealed to him. Samuel was ministering to the Lord, but he did not yet know the Lord in a way that to, 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 many people minister to the Lord never know him. 
They know about him, but they never know him. Many people can do that. This is just, he was very young. He's a child. He was ministering to the Lord. He did a lot of the things. He was in the house of God all the time. He was lighting lamps and putting out lamps and cleaning up and sweeping and doing all sorts of stuff. But he did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Yet, what's that mean? It will be, but it hadn't yet. We all know that it would. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. I don't know about you. If I get up the first time, I understand that. And I asked, if I got the second time and asked Eli, and he told me he still didn't say it, if I, got, if I heard the third time, I think I'm staying there. But Samuel, he, was, uh, he decided to go and check out. Well, maybe Eli called me this time. And he was there to serve Eli. He loved Eli. He loved him like a father. Eli had been rejected from, by God because of some things, but he, he loved Eli did love God. But um, Samuel, he loved Eli. If he needed help, Samuel was going to be there. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and it shall be. If he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So after a while, Eli perceives that the Lord is calling the boy. And so he says, all right, this is what you do. I haven't instructed you on this yet. Didn't think we had to get into this kind of stuff yet. But if he calls you again, this is what you do. <coughs> Say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now, if you're Samuel, 30 times, this, this, are you going to sleep? No, I'm sitting here waiting. Okay, come on, one more time. One more time. I know what to do now. One more time. Come on. <laughs> He's sitting there waiting. He's not sleeping. He's waiting. I know it's coming. It's coming again. As soon as it comes, I know what to do now. I'm not going to go check out Eli. I'm going to stay right here. Now the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Now notice this. Samuel could hear the Lord the first three times, but the Lord never tells him the message until Samuel says, speak. How many times has God been wanting to say things to us? And we hear, I know he's around, but I haven't opened myself up to hear. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day, I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning the, his house from beginning to end. He's already said that his house would not continue on, that his sons were going to die. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So you're, not, you're not getting away from this. This thing is coming on. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Was he told to tell Eli? No, was not told to tell Eli. He did not have to tell Eli. God already told him. Samuel even heard from God. I've already told him about this. I'm telling you, this is what's going on. So Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He answered, here I am. He said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. 
So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and none of his words fall to the ground. Hmm. Whatever Samuel spoke happened. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, and the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So Samuel was hearing the word of the Lord. He was ready to hear, and, and God made his voice known. But understand that Samuel ministered before the Lord, but had not yet known the Lord. This is going to change. Neither was the word of the Lord revealed to him. As we put this in your outline, I already told this to you, but just because we go to church, serve in a ministry, do things for God, hear the word of God and such doesn't mean we know him or that we hear him. None of those things cause you to, to be one who knows him or hears him. Those are good things to do. And surely you, you could know him more by doing some of those things, but just doing them does not mean that you will any more than pulling into a gas station means your car is full of gas. You've got to do some things to get it there. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, the Word of God says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. God is very exclusionary. He does not, he's not trying to make a way that everybody can get into. You have to, you have to get in on purpose. You're not just going to fall in there and stumble in. You get in there by faith. It's open to all, but not everybody does it. He does not close the door on anyone. If anyone will believe, anyone can get in. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits, not by their words, not by their works, because the Word of God says that many lying signs and wonders will be done by these folks. You will know them by their fruit. Fruit is different from works. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That is the fruit. All those other things are offshoots of love. None of them are works. You will know them by their character. That's how you know them. Not by the things they do, but by who they are, what they believe, what they do. The Word of God says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, long-suffering, peace, all those different things. These are traits that they should be. That's how you know. You don't get those traits on your own. You get them by following after God. That's how you know. Look at their character. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. That's two times he told us that. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Not the one who works for the Father, the one who does the will of the Father. There is a difference there. There are many people who do the works of the Father, but not everyone does the will of the Father. What do you have to know in order to do the will of the Father? I have to know the will of the Father. How do you get to know the will of the Father? 
You, 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 reading the Bible, praying. Do, you, you get to know the will of the Father by, by getting into his word, by listening to his spirit. This is how you get to know the, the will of the Father. How many of you ever, you know, you've been out there and uh, maybe Christmas time, you were shopping for somebody special in your life? Wife, child, husband, something like that. And you came upon, you were in there with a group. Oh, hey, but if we get this for so-and-so. And you think, oh, they don't want that. Why? How do you know that? Because you, you know. How did you, get, how did you know that person well enough to know that? That's not what they want. You by being with them, talking with them, fellowshipping with them, hearing some of the things that they've liked before. This is how you get to know that. If you're going to do the will of the Father, you have to get to know Him. If you get to know Him, it changes your life. Many people know about Him. They don't know Him. He wants people that will know Him. He says, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not what? Prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you have practiced lawlessness. So he's even telling you here, you may do things that make you look like you're of the kingdom, but if I don't know you, you're not. It's more important that you know the will of God, the will of God than you cast out demons and so forth. Far more important that you know the will of God. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice Lawlessness. They're not practicing the will of God. They're practicing lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, what sayings? Cast out demons? Prophesy? No. Love your neighbor as yourself. Teachings about the fruit. He who hears these things of mine and does them. Those are the ones. Doesn't do, not just hear them. Does you no good just to hear them. Hear them and do them. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended his sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching and he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. If you want to be able to withstand the storms, do what God says to do. Practice His will. If you're going to continue to practice your own will, you will fall when the storms come. You do, as a Christian, you do not have the right to do what you want. But too many Christians I hear talk about, I don't want to do that. Does the Word of God say that? Yeah, but that's not what I want to do. Tough beans. Either you do the will of the Father or you do your own will. If you don't do the will of the Father, the storm comes, what happens to your house? It goes down. I'd rather not be that in that way. I put this in your outline for you. We need to develop our hearing. We need to develop our hearing. We need to get better at hearing the Word of God. We need to get better at hearing and responding. Uh, Brother Hagin used to always teach us, instantly obey the voice of your spirit. And he taught us how to train up our spirit to listen to the voice of God and to, and to do those things. Uh, put it this way. We need to develop our hearing. First off, you need to recognize better what is God and what is not. I just put in there recognize. Recognize what is God and what is not. There are too many Christians come out of there and say, well, I think God told me to do this. And inside you say, there's no way God told you to do that. His word would not allow him to do that. Recognize better the, the, 
the voice of God. Second, retain it. Retain it. Nothing irritates me more than Christians who say this week, the Lord told me to do this, and next week they're off in another direction. There's no retaining the thing. We're not hanging on to that thing. Wait, if God told you that last week, what, did he change his mind? Recognize, retain, and here, refine. Refine that hearing. I am not a person who, um, who has really great hearing in some areas like, like music. I love music. I love listening to music. I mean real music. Not, not the stuff that, you know, when I was growing up, rock and roll was big. I never got into rock and roll. I never got into country music. I didn't get into even the swing bands and things like that. There's only one, beside worship music, there's only one kind of music I listen to. And it's classical. I want the violins. I want the, the, the cellos. I want the, I want the full orchestra out there. I, I sit there. I can just listen to that. Now, some people can listen to that, and they can be really good. My dad had an ear for this. He was real good at listening to this stuff and, and hearing the things. And we had conversations on it. But, you know, it was like a first grader talking with somebody who was a master's degree. He just was far and above where, where I was at. I just, I, I like this one. <laughs> I, I was simple on that. But, oh, I just, you can, you can just really in, enjoy that. But some people, they can listen and they can hear the, the different, oh, I think this is so-and-so conducting. Really? It just it sounds like the same piece to me. But some people can really refine their hearing, and they can tell, oh, the, the conductor's different. Or the, it's the same orchestra, but the, uh, it must be the, the fill-in guy. It must be this one. And you can hear the difference. Not see it. You can hear it. Some people have refined their hearing that well. I don't think anybody can refine their hearing that well for rock and roll music, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> I don't think there's any kind of refining to do with that at all. But as far as classical music, to me, that's real music. That's real music to me. If you, if you like another kind, that's fine. I'm, I'm not picking on you. Maybe one day you'll get wise. <coughs> no, I'm just, me- I'm just messing with you. I'm just having some fun with it. <laughs> Everybody has different kinds of music that they like, and, of course, that's going to be the, the best sort of thing. But that's just one that you – there's a lot of aspects to it. You can really hear. You can hear the different instruments in it. Some people can actually hear. Oh, there's, there's two violinists. There's three violins. I can't hear that. I just hear violins. That's all that I hear. But you can really refine that. You can really fine-tune your hearing. We need to fine-tune our hearing, folks, with the things of God. You need to to tune in to what God is saying. Now, if you're up there on Facebook this week, we put a little uh, note up there of some things. And I would love to be able to attest to the fact that I was super hearing. Uh, We got a call on Monday morning. Monday morning, we got a call. Uh, They called us four times. The, The alarm company here was calling us, and they were telling us that the battery was low on the alarm. I don't know why they had to call us four times, but they had to call us four times, and then there was another call on my cell phone. The battery, the church was low. All right, I can't do anything about it now. I'll call them up when we're down there, and they can come on by and change out the battery. So then Tuesday, they called me again. And Tuesday, they called me again and said, we think there's a power outage down at the church. Um, is there anyone down there that can check it out? And my first thought was, I'll call over to the, uh, the office and see if there was a power outage. Because you remember how, you know how cold it was. If there was a power outage, there would be a problem because it would be, all the power would be shut off. There would be no heat going into the building, and it could be a real, real problem. And so, but there was all, just on the inside of me, this resolve just came up. Don't call. Just go on down there. I, now, I would love to tell you that I heard the Spirit of God saying, Steve, go on down there. I didn't. 
I, I can't attest that. I'm not saying that the Spirit of God didn't prompt me to do it. I'm just saying it did not come across to me that way. I wasn't that spiritual. It just the resolve came on the inside of me. Go on down there and just check it out firsthand. So I came on down and checked it out firsthand. And whenever I come into this church building, any, every single time when it's cold out, it is just a habit I do. I have done it for, we've been in this building for 22 years. I have done it for 22 years. If I come in and it is cold outside, I always go first off to the kitchen and turn on the water. I want to see if the water's running because I know how the pipes are. And so I turned on the cold water. It ran just fine. Turned on the hot water and nothing. No water. So I came over here to the bathroom. I turned on the water there. There was no water coming out of any hot water thing at all. So what's that tell you? It's froze up. It is froze up. So we set out to get things going and to, to defrost things. I put out the, the heaters and we started getting heat up into that area. And it took me about two hours. We finally got it all defrosted and, and got some water moving. And as soon as some water it just started trickling out of the bathrooms here first, it didn't come out of the, the kitchen for a while yet. But as soon as it did, I saw a little puddle, a little puddle of water. I said, that's not good. So I went next door. I got the big old ladder. We took apart the ceiling. I climbed up into the ceiling area, and I got on there and looking at the pipes, and I saw some ice on one of the pipes. Just as I saw the ice on one of the pipes, it shot out, and a spray of water began to ensue. And it sprayed water all over the place up uh, over in there, and water, all kinds of water was coming down at that point. So I was up there on a ladder. I, if you don't think this is possible, it is. I ran down the ladder. <laughs> And ran over to the, to the place, and I just, uh, th there's all this stuff that's on top of where you have to get. I took all that stuff, and I took it. It's off. I don't care what happens to you guys. There's water coming out. And we turned off the main on the water, and, uh, and uh, I got it back up there and checked it out some more and, and got to see it a little bit better. And what was going on, and I don't know what's happening with the rest of the stuff, but I know what's happening there. And I even brought it on here for you to see. The nice little pipe over there. It's all, 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 all chipped out. So uh, I could, gave a call over to Bruce Alexander because I know he's got these tools. Not everybody has tools to fix this. I have tools. They're at home. So I called Bruce and said, yeah, you got, got some time? He says, yeah. So he came on down. The two of us, we got it all. We got it cut out. We got the rest of the lines melted because while we're cutting them out, there's still ice inside there. You can't sweat the new joint on when there's ice in there. So we had to get rid of all the old ice and uh, clean it all out. So we, I started off about 11 o'clock in the afternoon. And by 6 o'clock, I think I was coming home. And uh, so it took a little while to get it done. But how much worse would it have been if that little pipe would have thawed out and no one was here? That happened on a Tuesday. We, we probably wouldn't have had church on, on Wednesday because of uh, the damage that would have been done. I don't know if we would have had church today here. <laughs> we had to go to someplace else. It would have been a mess if that was going on for days before anybody realized that anything was, was even happening. All kinds of stuff would have been wet. So was it better? <laughs> It was too cold, yeah. First time in 22 years that we had anything, anything freeze up. First time ever. And we've had cold days before. We've had single-digit days before. Never has frozen here. That day it did. It froze up. So uh, we took some things, and I got a, we got another thing in, in line to, to help us not have that problem again. But uh, it, it froze up there. And it didn't happen. Why? Well, I'd like to say that I just listened to the Spirit of God. Now, I'm sure that the Spirit of God was the one who was telling me, go on down. And I just resolved myself because I'm just i I'm used to things coming to my, my spirit and just went on down there and did it, but did not recognize that it was the voice of God or the hand of God or anything like that. Just said, oh, I'm just going to go on down. Never called anybody and just went on down. How much you know, it took us seven hours to get everything taken care of from beginning to end, but how much less if, than it would have been something else? You've got to refine your hearing. Sometimes we're not hearing the things that we need to hear. 
and we're messing up on stuff. We're buying stuff that we shouldn't be buying. And that's not helping us. We're going places we don't need to be going. We're taking jobs we shouldn't be taking. We're helping people we shouldn't be helping. We're not helping people we should be helping because we're not listening to the, the voice of our spirit. If you'll learn to instantly evade the voice of your spirit because your spirit's tied in with the Holy Spirit, you'll help yourself out. But you've got to refine that hearing. You've got to listen. You've got to tune in all the more. Recognize, retain, and refine. In Genesis chapter 1, we've read over this a number of times, but I want to read over a couple of these scriptures in here again for you. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said? The enemy constantly comes over to try and get you to question what God has said, what God has commanded, what God has told you to do. Has God really said this? You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Down in verse 6, And the serpent said to the woman, she, of course, she went on, she said what she knew to be true. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, he's not really stretching the truth there too much. They will be like God, knowing good and evil, but that's the only way they'll be like God. Right now, all they know is good. What is better, to know good or to know good and evil? I'd rather just know good. I'd rather not know the evil. But they would know good and evil. If you know evil, you can do evil. The only thing they knew that they shouldn't do was don't eat of this tree. Now they know all kinds of stuff they shouldn't do. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. The wisdom of Satan is not like the wisdom of God. As we told you, the wisdom of God contains understanding. Understanding contains, or turned over right there, discernment. The wisdom of Satan is empty of both of those things. It does not know what is valuable, and it does not understand how things work. He says, you, if you'll eat of this, you'll become wise. That is the wrong kind of wisdom. That is a devilish wisdom. We want the godly kind of wisdom. That's the kind of direction that we, we would want to go. But that's not the direction that they went. Matthew chapter 16. Would you turn over there for me? Or just look up on the screen, whichever is easier for you. Matthew chapter 16. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and tested him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. In the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red. And threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. And when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Reasoning is the enemy of revelation. Revelation that Jesus gave them, he's given them wisdom. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but they heard it wrong. Because they were mindful of the fact they had forgotten to take bread. We've gone over this in the, before. The things that you are mindful of taint what you are hearing from God. You need to get rid of those, some of those things that you are mindful of and become more mindful of the things of God. Then you will hear the things of God better. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves? Because we do not 
we have brought no bread. Do you not understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So he gave a wisdom, a wisdom that demanded that you have understanding and discernment, and they had neither, and they took the wisdom that he gave, and they went in a whole other direction because they lacked the understanding, and they lacked the discernment of what was valuable. How is it, he says, you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? If I can make bread by praying to God and, and bread comes out of nowhere, why do you think I'm concerned about bread? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Is it not okay to reason, or not reason, but is it not okay to see this? That when Jesus made this statement to his disciples, he expected them to understand without any further explanation. And because of them hearing it a different way, he went on and explained it more. That'll hold God back from telling you things if you're going to take it in the wrong direction. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, son of Bar-Jonah, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Reasoning has not revealed this to you but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, or basically you are the little rock, and on this large rock, there are two different Greek words that are used there, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So it's on this confession that he is the Christ, he is the Lord, that, that he would do that. In verse 23, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Why did he now share with them other things? Because they had seen this other truth. If they had not seen this other truth that he was the Christ, if it had not been revealed to them, could he have taught them more? No. Folks, you understand this. The reason your life is stuck in the mud is because you are refusing to move on in Revelation. That you are refusing to understand truth the way it is to be understood. That you are taking some messages that he is speaking about leaven and understanding that you should have taken bread. And he can only get so far with that. Paul, in one of his letters, writes to the church and he says, I would to be giving you meat, but you can't handle it, so I give you milk. He expected at this time they should be ready for meat. But the Corinthian church was not ready for it. They were only ready for milk. So all he could do was give them milk. That's all he could do. Where is your life going with God? If you're stuck in the same thing, if you're still having hindrance getting the things you need from God, then it's perhaps because your revelation is stuck in the mud. Most times that our revelation is stuck in the mud, it's not going anywhere. It's because there are some things in our head that we're focused on instead of letting God speak those things to us. As soon as we begin to hear about the leaven of the Pharisees, we think, I didn't bring any bread instead of what we were supposed to be thinking. When you get past that, and when God speaks to you truths like this, you understand, oh, 
I see. You're talking about being where they're teaching. Yeah, I understand that. As soon as we hear from the voice of God, Jesus is the Son of God. Not Jeremiah, not Elijah. He can do other things. When you begin to see revelation from God, from His Word, He can open up other things to you. There's a case over in the book of Daniel where Daniel was studying the Word of God. And all of a sudden, it was as plain as day, but for some reason he didn't see it. And then all of a sudden he's looking at this and said, Oh, I see this. Seventy years have been determined for my people to be in captivity. And those 70 years are almost over. So he begins to pray. He says, Lord, what happens now? And the Word of God tells us in Daniel chapter 9 that as soon as he made that prayer, that an angel was dispatched with the answer. But that angel was hindered by the prince of Persia, hindered in the air. And for three weeks, 21 days, he did not get to Daniel. And then Michael came along and helped. And Michael was sent, and Michael engaged this angel in battle. And the messenger angel was able to get through and came over to Daniel. And the first words out of the angel's mouth to Daniel were, Daniel, as soon as you prayed, I was sent. He was not sent any sooner than when he had prayed. And though God had wanted for many, many years to divulge this truth to someone, no one saw what was needed in order to ask. If you think you understand all of the Word of God, you are wrong. If you think you are anywhere even close to it, you are wrong. The Word of God is so in-depth. There are answers that you cannot even see the question for yet. But when we get to that point, we can see the question. I can ask the answers, and no revelation will help me in my life now. Now. My understanding of it. Peter struggled for most of his time with, with God doing some things. But as soon as God went up to heaven and the Holy Spirit was given to him, and his eyes were open, he saw more and more. We see him come in Acts chapter 3. Comes to the beautiful gate, and he looks down at a lame man that he has seen before. And he says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, revelation knowledge, I have this. What I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And immediately he reached down and grabbed him by the hand, and the man leaped. He leaped up, and he walked. How incredible was that? You don't think the revelation of knowledge won't change your life? The number one thing you need in your life is the wisdom of God. You need it more than money. You need it more than strength. You need it more than health. You need it more than anything in your life. You need the wisdom of God. And you need people in your life that are going to press you to go on in this area, push you further, to continually give you the word. You've got to pray and talk with God, have discourse with God. You've got to read his word. You've got to take the word that you have in you and study it out, meditate on it to get more and more out of it. What you do know, you need to be saying to yourself. You need to be going around saying, not, not quiet, but saying with a loud voice, this will happen. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. You need to take some of those things that God has shown you in your word. You need to go around and talk about them and tell them instead of all these other things that you are saying. You need to develop your ears to hear. You need to have ears that can hear. Hear better than they have before. You need to pray to God and say, God, I want to have ears that are more able to hear what you are saying than ever before. Here we get to the doing part. Don't just do stuff for God. 
do his will. Don't just do stuff for God. Do his will. You can do stuff for God too, but don't just do stuff for God. Do his will. His will is the volts in his word. Sometimes he gives you some specific things about what he wants you to do, but there's still a general part of his word in his word about the will of God. I get to know what God wants, not by memorizing what Scripture says, but by understanding what it means. We need to understand what Scripture means. We need to get in there and find out the meaning of it, not just read this thing over. Oh, I don't get it. No, stay with it. Stay with it until you get it. There were some people when I was uh, going, to, going to college, going to school for being in ministry, and I'd listen to somebody teach, and I'd say, I know there's stuff in here. Oh, I know there's stuff. I'm not getting it all. I'm just not getting it all. And sometimes I would take a person and they would teach under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and I would write out word for word what they would say. And then I would study it. And I, try, and I go back to the scripture they were using and I hear what they said. And I would look at the scripture and I would hear what they say. And I look at the scripture and I would listen to the tape six, seven, eight times because we, ta- we had tapes then. We didn't have anything else. We had tapes. And listen, listen, and listen, and listen, and listen to get it in. Now I'm much better at, at getting that stuff in than I was before. But I stayed with it. I stayed with it. I'm not getting it yet. I'm not getting it yet. I stayed with it. I kept listening. I got to understand this. I got to know what it means. What the scripture means, this is revealed to me by the Holy Spirit. That's what you need to get. It is revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will reveal that truth to you. And that is the most important thing you need in your life. Truth. Revelation, wisdom, the most important thing you need in your life is this. It will help you more than anything, anything that you may think. Don't let your mind, don't let people around you distract you with other things. Get the wisdom of God. Get the revelation that he wants to give to you. Get the understanding that is there. Have the ability to discern what is important and what is not. Put in your outline here, get in the press. Get in there. Pray, read. Pray, read. Ears, develop those ears. Develop your hearing. Study and say, I got to have ears to hear. I got to have ears to hear. Got to pray got to read, you got to study, keep going over, going over. One. This, is, this, is, this is all you got to do. Focus on this. Focus on the press. This week, next week, and for the rest of your life, keep focusing on the press. I'm going to, today, what's going to happen? I'm going to pray. I'm going to have conversations with God. I'm going to read his word. I am going to study the word that I have on the inside. I'm going to meditate on that word that's on the inside of me. I am going to say what I know right now. What do you know about the word? I'm sure that in a month, a year from now, you're going to know a whole lot more. But what do you know right now? And what are you saying? What are you saying with your mouth? Well, I guess this will only get worse. No, don't be saying stuff like that. Father God, I thank you that I am blessed of God. I thank you that my life will be a blessing to others. I thank you that you have given me wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you and that I am able to take that wisdom and revelation and teach it to others. As I teach it to others, you teach me also and you open up my eyes to see the things that I need. Father, I thank you for all that you are doing for me. 
I thank you that you have good plans for me and not evil, that you have great plans for my future, not bad ones, that you have not forgotten me, but that you are mindful of me. You just speak out the revelation that you know of God. Speak it out. Say it to yourself. When Jesus came up, that whole teaching he did in Mark chapter 11, he did because of the fig tree. He came up to the fig tree, and he didn't think about the fig tree. He didn't think nasty thoughts about the fig tree. You know what he did? He came up to the fig tree, and he saw there was no fruit on it, and he said with his mouth, may no one eat fruit of you ever again. How do you know he said it with his mouth? Because the Word of God tells us that his disciples heard him. You don't hear somebody thinking. The disciples heard him. Say with your mouth a whole lot more. What did the woman with the issue of blood do? She said. What did blind Bartimaeus do? He said, what do you want me to do for you? I want to receive my sight. For that, he was saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the quiet the crowd is around trying to get him to quiet down. What's he do? Got louder. Got louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus calls him over. What would you like me to do for you? That I may receive my sight. Before that, he had taken his blind coat and he did what with it? Threw it off. Why? I don't need it anymore. I'm no longer going to be blind. We told you that's the official blind coat that allowed them to beg in the region and ask people for money. That was the government saying, this man is truly blind. We have checked him out. If you give money to him, you're giving money to a blind person. He took that cloak and he threw it aside because he doesn't need it anymore. If you are a blind person, you don't throw that aside because you'll never know if it's the one you're holding is the one that you had. You never know where it went to. He knew I didn't need it. That's his faith. Jesus said to him, your faith has healed you. How? Faith in what? Anyway, we got into, got into those the last couple of weeks. What God says to us through revelation, we need to believe it. When we believe it, we need to say it. I need to say it. The devil always, all the time wants to tell you that you are no good, that you are lousy, that you are a sinner. But the word, what's the word of God has to say about you? It says that you are the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that you wear his cloak of righteousness and these are the things you need to say. The devil wants to come along. The enemy wants to come along. And he wants to remind you of your sin, of your shortcomings. Is that God? No. So what do you do? I was a sinner. I am now the righteousness of God in Christ. I am victorious over sin. Oh, that's not true. You just sinned yesterday. I am victorious over sin. You say what the word of God says. You say what the Word of God says. You do it all the time. How many of you people have said, I know I'm going to get sick when you're healthy? How many of you said, I know I can't do that when you haven't even tried? How many of you have looked at something and said, I know I won't like that? You didn't even taste it. Yeah, we, we say things all the time that aren't not true, that we don't know to be true. All that God is saying is, set the thermostat. Call for what you want. When Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus, he said, what did he say about him? He is not dead. But I, or he, he said, Lazarus sleeps. I go to, we may, we may wake him. And the disciples said, well, if he's asleep, he'll wake up just fine. Finally, he said, look, Lazarus is dead. I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. But he's going to raise him up. And he went to raise him up. When, the, when Jairus got the news, your daughter is dead, what does Jesus say? Oh, well. What do you say? 
before he could utter a word out of his mouth, he said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. He has told many a person, all things are possible to him who believes. If you believe a thing to be true, do you not say it? If you believe you are going to get a paycheck on Friday, do you not go around and say, when my paycheck comes on Friday? Don't you say that? But it's not here. How do you know it won't come on Friday? How do you know it may not be here on Friday? When my, you still say, when my paycheck comes on Friday. We do that all the time. But as soon as you get into the things with God, we think it's weird. It's not. If you believe it, you need to say it. You need to speak it. Tell yourself what the Word of God has to say about you. Speak out that wisdom. Let that wisdom get in the inside of you. Let revelation come to you. When it comes, jump on it. Jump on it. Oh, I'll tell you what. I just love going through these healings. Just about every single story in the Word of God about healing has to do with revelation and wisdom. We haven't covered anywhere near in all of them, but just about every single one deals with wisdom, revelation, and truth. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you. Your word is a light to our path. It is such a wonderful light. We thank you for it. We thank you, Father, that in your word is all the truth that we need for this life. We are thoroughly prepared for everything we would face simply by knowing what's in your word. And as we learn from your word, learn your will and do your will. When the storms come, and the parable you gave us, the storms are coming. They will come to the person who built their house on the rock and the person who built their house on the sand. The storms will come. But when they come to the person who built their house on the rock, that house will stand. And Father, there is no storm that will take us down because we are built on, your, on the rock. We are built doing the will of the Father. We thank you for that. As we go this week, Father, you are ready, you are prepared to speak revelation, wisdom, knowledge to us. You are prepared to give us understanding of things that we right now don't. We don't understand them. But you're ready to, to open up our eyes to see. We thank you for it. We give you the praise and glory for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, glory to God. You have uh, some uh, praise reports? I got this word while we were singing that song that I desire in my life, Lord, is to and hunger after you alone. So it made, got me to start thinking about how often we actually seek God as our one true desire or how often we go before him, um, like asking for money or asking for healing or for a better job. We spend so much time in prayer asking for him, him for things that... Um, so often he has already promised to us, but he is to be our one true desire, and we are to go before him in prayer, um, seeking a deeper revelation of who he is and spending quality time with our Father um, and getting to know his will instead of going before him asking him for stuff or things. Um, the word says he already knows what we need and that we should seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto us. A lot of those times we spend our time in prayer telling God the things that we need when he's already given them to us. Um, so then that, that other song came on about reach out and receive it. It's already yours. So um, spend time 
you know, in prayer with God, getting to know him, getting to know his will, getting to know his promises for you, then declare them over your life and spend the rest of your time in prayer praising him for them because he's already given them to you. Amen. I love how the Holy Spirit starts ministering the word that's just about to be taught during praise and worship. <laughs> okay, we have a couple of praise reports, and then we do have some prayer requests. Um, praise report was, this was, is from Gladys. She said, last week I was struggling with finances. Her checkbook was lacking, but God supplied all of her needs by Sunday afternoon. Praise God. She was able to pay all of her bills on Monday. She's with praise and thanksgiving to God. Now, this one, I think I understand what you're saying here, Jolly. There's two parts to this. You know, Jolly works at the Port Authority, and he said he found another first in the Port Authority, which was a bug that was trying to come in out of the country. All right. All right. So, you know, when that happens, Jolly gets to get a cash reward. Hallelujah. And I'm going to believe with you that it's bigger than the last one. <laughs> Amen. And then also, he's a chaplain there. And he says, God saved him from a funeral of one of our employees who was near committing suicide. So, in other words... God intervened. Hallelujah. Um, Naz <coughs> said, uh, being faithful to our God by honoring him with our tithes and offerings is so important. After only being on my new job for approximately 10 months, 10 months, excuse me, I just received a huge second increase. Praise God this week. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know why it also helps us? You know, the Bible talks about, you know, um, faith comes by hearing. You can't hear unless you're not saying something. And your faith in what you're saying starts to build inside of you as you start to declare those things over your life. And the, the scripture, I, it's so, oh, I, I wish I could just have time to tell you everything. This morning, before I even came in, the scripture that kept coming up in my heart was about when the Lord led the captivity of Zion. He says, then was our mouth filled with laughter. <laughs> and then we just have a nice time in the Holy Ghost this morning. So speak those things. There's so many times we speak the negative, but we don't speak what God's word says. And the word of God says, forever, O Lord, your word is established in heaven. It's already done. So we just need to speak that out. Here's a praise report from Sharon. She said, I had a, a little loan due this month, and I was able to put aside some money every week to pay the full amount only after a couple of months of working. Thank God for working us out. Amen. And I think that's, that's all the praise reports we have.